In the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity. Amen. Please be seated. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus is confronting the Pharisees and scribes who are being critical of the disciples. Those who have acted outside the normative practices and traditions of the priestly class. It seems as though Jesus wants them to reassess why it is they do what they do. For what purpose do all of these rituals serve? It seems fitting that the ritual in question involves a meal. I mean, meals are important, especially when my belt gets a little tight. I can tell just how important they are. I'm reminded of meals, and I think it goes a little further than that. And it's not just about feeding and about the feeding part, because meals don't just nourish us physically, but they also nourish us spiritually. Both my parents are deceased, as well all my grandparents. So I'm left to my memories, left to photographs that I have from growing up. As I grow older, I look back on those pictures, reflect on my memories. There's a common theme that runs through most of them. It seems that when we were gathered, we were gathered around a table at one point or another in each gathering. Earlier this month, my nephew came to stay with me and Allison, and for a couple of days we ventured down to Orange Beach to visit my stepmother, who, well, really, she's more than just a stepmom. And in the years since my father's passing, she has attempted to go through a lot of the papers, documents that he had, tried to ensure that she passed on those things that she felt would be of importance to me and to my brothers. Now, while we were there, she gave me a folder. It had some very old family documents. And among these documents were two copies of the Brislin family recipe for Brunswick stew. They were written in my grandfather Brislin's handwriting. Now, he passed away in 1984, so I know they're at least that old. And it's hard to explain the emotions that were evoked upon seeing these notes, especially these notes in his handwriting. There was a certain connection that I felt to them. John T. Edge is an author from Oxford, Mississippi. Some of you may be familiar with him. He writes about food, especially food in the South. And he talks about the connection that food makes to us, the connection that it makes in the communities, in the communities that we build around the table. He talks about the importance of church cookbooks, and those homemade spiral books that are passed down from generation to generation. Edge writes that when all the dishes have been cleared from the table, these recipes remain. A 
tangible link to a time, a place, a people. These dishes and these meals bring us into a community that ties us to not just the living, but also to those who passed them on to us and to those to whom we will pass them down. Now, we often hear a phrase like, that person is so pious, and we hear it as an insult. But what are we saying? And then what are we really saying? After all, the word piety is, is defined as devotion and commitment to God expressed in the Christian life through a variety of different actions. And also the word piety is often used synonymously with the word spirituality. Piety in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. When our piety is a tool that we use to help grow our relationship with God, it is a nurturing and sustaining practice. However, it's when our pious practices become the objects of our worship, our piety has become something altogether different. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus and the disciples are being chastised because they have not done the ritual exercise of cleaning before eating or the ritual cleaning of the sacrificed food now, the Pharisees were making this argument because they were concerned about the health or the well-being of Jesus and his friends. That may have been one thing. I have fond memories of hearing my mother's instructions to wash my hands before eating. However, this is not the intent of the Pharisees, hygiene or cleanliness. Jesus knew the hearts of the Pharisees and the reasons for their pious acts. They desired to be set apart from the communities that they served. It is fitting that our gospel lesson this morning centers on community. Soon we will baptize young Nora and young LaRue into the community of believers and into the church. And for a moment, they will be the newest members of that universal family. In the examination, Candace will ask the parents and those presenting the candidates for baptism if they renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God. And do they renounce evil powers those that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. Their reply will be, I renounce them. Likewise, we all together will reaffirm our renunciation of evil when we reaffirm our baptismal covenant. Why do we do this in this service, though? We do this because in the renunciation of Satan and evil, we are saying that we're part of a community. We are part of the family of Christ. We are saying that we love each other. 
all those things that seek to separate us from that love are not of God. And they're therefore evil. And when we boldly renounce evil, we are saying yes to a bigger table. I'm going to pull up two more chairs this morning for Nora and LaRue. We are saying yes to all those traditions that tie us to our families and to our communities. We as Episcopalians love our tradition. It is, after all, part of our three-legged stool theology, so it would be a little understandable if at first hearing or reading this story in the gospel this morning we might get a little nervous. I've sometimes asked myself in the midst of liturgy, is my being a little too showy? But this morning, Jesus clearly tells us that it's what's in the heart that matters. For the Pharisees, strict adherence to the code became an indication of one's status and wealth rather than a means for giving identity to a community for which those cleansing acts were originally intended. When an institution's traditions have become a means to separate rather than bring people together, it has gotten out of step with Jesus' gospel. This morning we will continue with two traditions that Jesus himself instructed us to do. We will baptize new members into our community and then we will gather around the table of the Lord and we will eat and drink. Well, we will dip this morning because that's what we need to do to take care of one another. As we prepare to gather at the table, we will once again tell the story of those who came before us. John T. writes about family recipes passed down from generation to generation, tying families and communities together. So too does scripture and our tradition tie us to each other and the communion of saints. So as we approach the altar this morning, let us not just say the words out loud for others to hear. Let us not just perform the liturgy for others to see. Let our piety be what it should be. Let it be that sacramental act. Let it be that outward and visible sign of that inward and spiritual grace. Let the liturgy shape our prayer life. And let us come with a seeker's heart. And let us welcome Nora and LaRue to the family. Amen.